Hello. What you're about to listen to is a podcast episode of Off the Film Path, where we talk about Handsome, a Netflix mystery movie, where I, Kyle, will be the host. And I, Sophia, will be the podcast foil. My job is to bring the funnies and to make witty, incisive observations about this comedy movie from several years ago. In the course of this episode, we will be recapping the events and reviewing to our opinion. Also, my vagina is sore. Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. As I said in the intro, today we're discussing 2017's Handsome, a Netflix mystery movie. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia with the achy pussy. Yeah. Let's jump right into it because that really <laughs> explains what the fuck we just did. Yeah. We Okay. So that requires. Yeah. Oh, let, mm-hmm, let's get to it. Yes. This is a very curious movie because, as the title says, it's a mystery. And they're like, you know what? Fuck all that. We're going to tell you who did it at the very beginning. And actually, we're going to have him be the person to introduce the whole movie. Yeah, this movie starts off oversharing and doesn't stop oversharing at any point. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bizarre because, like, as our as our intro alluded to, this movie will just have characters tell you what their entire deal is to the camera, almost breaking the fourth wall. It, it is it is a bizarre piece of film. So our killer, as he tells us, is I don't remember his name at the moment. I wrote it down later, but it's played by actor Stephen Weber. If that means anything to anyone, I know him from I Zombie. But this guy has a really punchable face. He does look like he has some sex worker's bones in his in his walls. Yeah. He smiles like a vulture. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get this intro with with Steven Weber just luxuriantly coming out of a pool and even the water doesn't want to touch him. And he tell- <laughs> and he tells us that he is he is the bad guy. He is the bad guy here. And this is a Netflix mystery movie and some, I don't remember, some other shit. Yeah. And we just jump right into it. <laughs> yeah. We get some neat opening credits. It's kind of 007-ish. A little bit. It, it felt like 007 got tired. Yeah. I think it's mostly because it's like this silhouetted person doing things. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's what we got. But they're like doing hula hoop tricks, which was... A very odd piece that comes up again a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that, but Fuck we'll it, whatever. come back to it. Yeah. Love the cast. Yeah, I love the cast. The cast is great. We can also add this movie to our pantheon of written, directed by, and starring the same person. Yes. Uh, that would be a Mr. Jeff Garland. Thank you. That was the, I was like, Atkins, you know, that, that's definitely not right. Gore or something. I don't know. Fuck it. Larry David. <laughs> yeah, Larry David. <laughs> so, yes, Jeff Garland. 
very funny man. He's a bigger fellow, and he's he's playing this kind of like dumpy over the hill detective. But like this is clearly like it makes an allusion to things like Lethal Weapon and oh Beverly Hills Cop, where like yo this cop is notorious in his like we jump in kind of like in media res with this cop being like notorious in his station for being like a good cop or like being skilled at his job. Not really hard to be the skilled one when all your other cops are so stupid. And let's say this at the top, a cab. All right. Yeah. 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 We, we are, we are not a pro cop podcast. You heard my whole thing in the sleepover where, where I almost got to being like a criminal mastermind. (laughs) I'm no fan of the police. No one on this podcast is a big fan of the police. That said. When you have Natasha Leone as a police officer, it takes the phrase, fuck the police, to a new meaning. (laughs) All right. It's weird seeing Natasha Leone, who, by the way, is apparently straight, play a straight cop, play a straight woman, generally. It's weird. Doesn't seem right. Anyway. So here we are. We open with Jeff Garland's Detective Hanson instructing the new generation of detectives, and they are par for the course. Hey, that's a real good joke, considering they're trying to figure out what happened to a man who died on a golf course. But uh, forgot about that, but I will take it. (laughs) Yes. And as they point out, it is very distracting because this man is rock hard, rigor mortis. (laughs) For yeah, days. this guy has a just massive heart on. It is tenting his pants big time, and it's distracting everyone. This will not matter. It's just fun no. to talk about. Look, nothing in this movie matters. It. I, I was joking with Kyle before we came on. I was saying that this movie is essentially a two-hour episode of the podcast, exactly because like there's so many drop threads, which is, that's my fault. <laughs> 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 there's so many drop threads and shit that does not matter. And this is just another one that just doesn't matter to that point though, before this even opened after the credits, before the, we're in the police station, it says like tonight's episode, like as if it were a police procedural. Yeah. So this, this is frames like, you know, we've, we've been doing this for a little while. You should know who handsome is just by his last name. <laughs> there's a detective here named Bert Jerpus. Which, <laughs> yeah. one hilarious name two introduces himself to his co-workers who already know who he is and three comes up with the most convoluted explanations for these crimes and it's so fascinating to watch him noodle his way through these ideas basically he for this one a man died on a golf course he's like they like golfing but actually they went skydiving and he was having a fight with his business partner and then the, you know they get up in the in the plane and the, and the business partner like sabotages his parachute, kicks him out, and he lands on a golf course. Case closed. What? What? Although this man is clean shaven, he needs a little help from Otcom's razor. But um, hey, <laughs> yeah. So these guys are fucking dummies, and they continue being fucking dummies for a little while, and then the chief comes in, and the chief is. This is clearly a reference to both Bad Boys and Beverly Hills Cop. The chief is like overly aggressive out of the gate as if 
she is completely done with Handsome's bullshit, but Handsome is the only by the book cop in the the only cop who is smart enough to read the book in the entire precinct. So like, what are you talking about? So this is clearly a reference to like, ha ha ha, the shit that you haven't seen. This guy is actually a, an off the book psycho. You just don't see it. Except not. I mean, this is Amy Sedaris. She is mad at him for not doing bureaucracy and filling out his retirement papers. I don't know if this means he intends to retire and he hasn't done the paperwork for it, or if he's like, stop trying to force me out. Either way, it's a weird thing to get this upset about. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's why I think it's a reference, but um, yeah, more than more than anything. But yeah, she's she's very aggressively upset that he hasn't filled out his retirement paperwork yet, and. There is a reason why she's upset about this. Turns out that she uh, is ethical enough not to put the moves on a subordinate and wants him to retire so she can put the moves on him kind of in the open. Outside of work. Outside of work. And in fact, gives him a bunch of cookies from like a, an office event. Yeah. This, you know what? Hang on to the cookies. Hold the cookies in your mind. And by the way, associate them with affection. Because we're going to come back to that. Mm -hmm. It's all kinds of inappropriate. Like, there's so many (laughs) ways that this is like, hey, you probably shouldn't be talking like this to your coworker, even if they are a subordinate. And also, you know, just from somebody who was in the military, don't ever yell at your subordinates in public. Like, that's rule number one of military leadership. Praise in public chastise in private. And that's just leadership generally. No, it is unique to the United States military. <laughs> it's the place I learned it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he goes home. He's got a big old dog. I love his dog. Yeah, giant... What is that, Great Dane? Yeah. Colored like... or and Like a spotted coat. Yeah. As you would expect from like a Dalmatian. Yeah, yeah. Very much had a Dalmatian pattern to it, yeah. He's walking the... Oh, he's like talking to the dog and saying like, don't let me eat those cookies. Yeah. <laughs> so then they go for a... Because he's staring at the cookies and is like, oh, all right, let's go for a walk. Because he's he's trying to he's trying to slim down and part of slimming down is cutting out unnecessary sugar in your diet. Especially if you are not, you know, doing a lot of workout type stuff. So... He's like, all right, well, I need to remove this temptation because I'm, you know, too much pussy to just throw the cookies away and said they were great. So he takes his dog for a walk and we meet a colorful cast of supporting characters, including his next door neighbor, the ubiquitous don't let your dog shit on my lawn guy. Yeah. And the significantly less ubiquitous, extremely depressed accordion playing wife. Latin wife? Yeah, the Latin accordion playing wife. It's an interesting bit. I don't... not sure where that comes from. The guy's not a looker. No, that's true. There's a really nasty stereotype that goes around the military about, like, ugly dudes with hot wives who just happen to be immigrants. Or who who immigrated to the U.S. after marrying this ugly motherfucker. But I don't want to, that, that's, a, that's a really hurtful and gross stereotype that I don't really want to perpetuate. It does exist, though, and I, I feel like that might be what they're playing at. That, or they make it seem like he's doing pretty well for himself as a private investigator. So, like, 
it could be more of a I uh... he does he does hit on a truth of private investigation. It seems to be about ninety percent like chasing down cheating husbands because he's apparently he's familiar with this new case that that cast that handsome is working castle that handsome is working on <laughs> and mentions that it's you know there, there's well, what did, what did he say he said some like everybody like he knows a whole bunch of ex cops and they all say like you know they have their own theories about it and it revolves around what they do as individuals now uh, what I wrote down is he goes you know what's great about America everyone feels cheated <laughs> and he points out it's like you're getting cheated at whole foods you're getting cheated at your job like all this stuff about quite frankly capitalistic exploitation and his takeaway is that people take that feeling and project it onto their spouses bottom feeder you fucking bottom feeder yes so he's a gross dude in a lot of ways yeah, but apparently he lays pipe pretty well because his wife. <laughs> it's the one time his wife is not depressed. <laughs> Holy shit! There's some yeah. banter between them, and it really shows off like Garland's comedy. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of why he got put there. And I don't know why we've spent at least five minutes talking about this guy because he doesn't matter. Well, no, he doesn't matter. But like, it, it it sets up so much of what this movie does. Like, so it. Jeff Garland, he plays the only sane guy in a world of psychopaths. And that that's sort of like his com- like he his comedy is just like having that that like what the fuck are you talking about face constantly when people are just like telling their whole stupid thing. He's the straight man to the entire world. Yeah. But we also find out from this guy that Handsome has a new neighbor on the other side, which is how we get to a lot of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes over and decides, well, I'm going to offload these terrible cookies. Remember the cookies, folks. These terrible, terrible cookies on his neighbor. And so he goes over there and a babysitter opens the door. Did you recognize her? I felt like I, she looked a lot like Megan Fox to me. I could see that. I didn't recognize her, though. Yeah, she, she looks like a Megan Fox lookalike. But she will not open the door. Very smart, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Good good practice as a babysitter. Handsome tries to assuage her and say, like, hey, I appreciate the caution. I am a police officer. So that's fine. Which It's not fine, but yeah. sure. <laughs> but more or less, he says, like, please make sure I don't have these. You don't yeah. have to eat them, but I can't have them anymore. <laughs> So she's like, well, you can put the cookies on the porch here, and I can't guarantee they won't get eaten, but I'm not going to touch them. Yeah. I describe this as potentially a real curb moment. Yeah. Yeah. You're aware that Jeff Garland's in Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh, yeah. 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 This absolutely could have been boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So he leaves the cookies and then fucks off and then. Oh, he goes to bed. Right. Yes, but we also see someone hula hooping, yeah. which is the second time that hula hoops have come up. Oh, we're doing this in real time. I think, I think I might have something for the hula hooper. So let's go ahead. I'm going to make a note in the chat. That is not what I wanted to do. Uh, let's continue because <laughs> this, because yes. then is being a, a bit of a bitch. So Handsome goes to sleep, gets a call in. It's night, not abundantly clear what part of night but that doesn't really matter there's a 
crime scene he has to investigate. He picks up his partner, Fleur. I didn't catch the last name offhand, but this is Natasha Leone. Delightful. And they're they're driving there and just talking about the movie San Andreas. Apparently, to to demonstrate that this is clearly not the real world, apparently (laughs) they both agree that this is maybe the best movie ever made. Yeah, I wrote, should I watch San Andreas? (laughs) No, no, you shouldn't. Oh, and we goodness. are not watching it for the podcast, period. Yeah. They mentioned that they one talks loud and then it's like, no, I don't talk loud. You talk loud. They both talk loud. They're both extremely loud, like famously loud people. <laughs> Which good. Be loud. Take up space. Yeah. I mean, sure. Hey, Sophia. Don't do it on the subway. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to describe the murder scene or shall I? May I? Of course. Okay, so jump cut to this. We don't actually ever see the body. Just go ahead and say that right now. We only hear the body described to us by the people who are observing it directly. So there's a little second hand. So we have the entire detective, I don't know, core, stood around this horrifying, like this this rich guy's lawn. Hold on real quick. I think I think a group of cops is called a cover-up. Hey! Yes. Okay. So this cover-up of cops is is gathered in a semicircle around on this on this well manicured lawn, and we only see them from the waist up, just in case you know there might be some little hint of what's happened on the ground. And they are ashen. And Garland comes up to them and says, "Okay, what do we got?" And they they describe that this this body has been decapitated, and then. The rest of the body has been dismembered and arranged in a Star of David. This leads to the funniest scene, or the funniest one-liner in this entire movie, where one of the uh, junior detectives is a black guy, and he, he turns to Garland and goes, Hey, boss, can I quit the police forever? And I was like, good man. It's uh, <laughs> a good Real call. Quick, that guy is Chris Redd, who is on SNL. And was oh. also in the movie Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. This was pretty early in his career. Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. Yes, that is a Lonely Island movie that I love so much. Tell me that's on the list. Not currently, but we can put it there. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Chris Red just goes, "Hey, boss, can I quit the police forever?" And <laughs> and Garland's like. What? Why? He's like, well, I mean, we're just very casually talking about, like, this woman's dismembered body that's been arranged in a Star of David, and she's, like, really fucked up, and I think I want to quit being a police officer forever. I'm like, on the one hand, I'm like, dude, this is your job, but on the other hand, I'm like, follow that instinct. That's a good instinct. It may be their job, but, it's like... Grim, <laughs> it's grim, though. It's pretty fucking grim. Also, we get another great thing from Bert Jerpus. <laughs> uh, just... Brain genius, Bert Jerpus. Does he call it suicide, or was that one of the other idiots? No, he calls it fucking suicide. None of the other idiots no, actually no, no. give a theory. No, no, no. One of the other idiots calls it suicide. Bert Jerpus calls it a drive-by. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like... <laughs> it's, it's just funny. to watch, like, yeah. It, it's, it's funny in that painful-to-watch kind of way. Like, I'm never watching this movie again. The secondhand embarrassment is just too severe. We find out this is the home of actor Talbert Bacorn, 
What the fuck kind of name is that? I don't know. <laughs> that is the whitest name I have ever heard. So Handsome is like, okay, well, I'm going to go talk to the actor. You block the street because it's on his lawn. It, it faces the street. He's like, you block off the scene. I don't want, you know, a bunch of looky-loos coming through here. Now, Talbert Baycorn is played by Stephen Weber, who, not 15 minutes earlier, told us that he is the killer. Yeah. Yup. <laughs> Yup, he sure did. If you noticed that, you'd be very perceptive. Yeah. So they proceed to have a conversation, and it in which it is it is revealed that Calvert Bacorn, God, what a fucking name, is an irredeemable douche about being an actor. Like he's one of those actors that makes me hate actors. And there was a point in time where I wanted to be an actor. Little thing here, eagle-eyed viewers might spot that there is a Hanukkah behind him. Oh, shit, I missed that. Well done, you. Very tiny. We don't spend too much in this interview because... That's not the point of this scene. The point of this scene is the gag in the next part of the earth. <laughs> the intercut. You want to talk about this? Yeah. So... <laughs> I believe Handsome notices that there is a, like, what, what would that be called? The, like, Stars Tour. Because they're in, like, Southern California. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, just a... Tour of the Stars Homes. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tour of the Stars Homes. Their, their McMansion Hell Roadshow. Yes. So Fleur goes up to the bus and says, hey, nothing to see here, and they're asking questions. She's deflecting. They are not listening to her in the slightest. It's important to note that this is a group of Japanese tourists. They are not speaking English, or when they are, they're speaking English with a heavy Japanese accent, which they note leads Fleur to believe that they just don't speak English that well. Yeah. So sometimes they talk through the tour guide. Sometimes they talk amongst themselves. One of the questions they ask is, is the body arranged in a Star of David? Okay, so... After Fleur says, absolutely not, this Japanese woman just turns around and goes, uh, Rabbi-san, and a Japanese rabbi stands up and gives an entire little spiel about like the origin of the Star of David and confirms that that body is, in fact, arranged in the Star of David. He also believes that saying that the Star of David is like a symbol of Judaism, yeah, that's like, oh, interesting. Yeah, that, that's... Hmm. Okay. Well, Jews argue. That's what we do. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> two Jews, three opinions. Yep. Oh, that's fucking right. We jump <laughs> back into the interrogation-ish interview, however. And he mm -hmm. said that he was dog-sitting in case he ever has to play a dog-sitter. He'll know what it's like. It's like, oh, the dedication to method acting. Incredible. <laughs> that's what we mean when we say this guy is up his own ass intolerable douche so yeah hey do you know who joe kenda is by name it sounds familiar it rings a bell and like the guy by face i kind of like recognize him but like if you asked me i'd have to be like hang on i have imdb at my okay. very fingertips because this guy shows up and it's chief joe kenda who's in the credits is listed as joe kenda and it's like i don't know who this is I feel like this is someone from like a Law and Order or a CSI that I maybe should know, but I don't. Joe Kenda is known for, well, Homicide Hunter, American Detective, 
And WGN Morning News. Sure. Okay, so he's done shit like this. Yeah. Apparently, he he, he is part of a podcast. I don't fucking care. Everyone is. Any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so am I. <laughs> Whatever. That's a joke for someone, I guess. Hmm. We find out that the victim was a babysitter. So Handsome goes to the person's house who she babysits for. And it's his new neighbor. Yeah. I think I think what happened there was that he actually looked at her and goes, Oh, holy shit. That's my neighbor's babysitter. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> just like staring into this decapitated, dismembered body and going, Oh, yeah, I talked to her yesterday. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Lady answers the door. This is Nora. She looks like Kristen Wiig, but this is not Kristen Wiig. Nope. None of these people look like the people they look like except for Jeff Garland. And, well, Natasha Leon. Yep. And then we also meet her daughter, Karis. By any chance, did you recognize Karis? Mm-mm. She plays young Rebecca Bunch in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. I was like, she looks like the girl from Little Miss Sunshine, but I know that's not Abigail Breslin. In 2017. I mean, child actors tend to slide off my brain a little bit. Of course. Which, probably a good thing. It's a little weird for a 37-year-old woman to, you know, recognize child actor, like be a child actor specialist. (laughs) Yeah. That would be weird. But we see Handsome just being like a nice guy. He offers to watch Karis since Nora doesn't have a babysitter all of a sudden. And has to go to work. Yeah. Now, here's where I decided that this movie is copaganda, because it's not that he is a nice man who is also a cop. He is definitely meant to be a good cop. And it's like, mm. Mm. So I kind of wrote this off less as him being a nice man who's also a cop or just like a good cop. I wrote this more off as like being kind of a pushover, which is also something that, you know, we tend to like the idea of a cop as a pushover is certainly contrary to observed reality in a very propagandistic way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he also misunderstands the Utes, which that's more of him being old than him necessarily being like oh, God. a good, a good cop, I guess. Yeah. But like he, He's clearly stuck in, like, at the very latest, 1991, where, like, (laughs) a real detective is babysitting. I get to hang out with a real detective for an afternoon. And, like, this is very clearly a Zoomer and, like, a baby Zoomer. So she's just like, I do not have time for your bullshit, dude. But she's like, do you want to watch me dance? Because little girls are always making up dances and stuff. I had cousins. No, it's yeah. not like that. It's just, No, I know it's not like that, but also like... The way I said it was bad, yeah. yeah. Mr. Police Officer, would you like to watch me dance is just not something you want to hear a nine-year-old girl say. I'm going to put on a... Sh- uh, nope. nope. Still bad. Not better. Not Still better. bad. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I know. It's so gross. So, but, but this is just like a performance piece by Karis, this callous nine-year-old zoomer and so she like puts on some music and just like sitting there and so he's like uh we're gonna start soon (laughs) this is pre-show ambiance and you're not supposed to talk to me (laughs) 
<laughs> the child is very funny. But, the child is funny. But it's just like, man, what are we doing here? Yeah. And then he picks up a picture during the pre-show entertainment, and she takes this as the highest offense and walks off. Artists, am I right? Yeah, oh my god. Nora comes back, he asks her some questions to learn more about Heather, the babysitter, the recently deceased, Mm. and get some new leads. Yeah, so then he goes to the apartment that Heather was living in. And they were roommates. Yeah, so (laughs) Heather, the very brief interactions we had with Heather made her seem sociopathic and just like completely uninterested and honestly uninteresting to anybody who is not looking to explore her body, let's say. Yeah. Now, they are on the West Coast, but apparently her bedroom was the living room of a one-bedroom apartment. I'm like, that's some East Coast shit as far as I'm concerned. No, look, if it was the East Coast, you'd be sleeping in a wall. You'd have a Murphy bed that comes out of the closet. All right, fair enough. (laughs) No, I I don't know. I don't know. It's just that... Okay, maybe that's specifically Manhattan. Maybe the rest of the East Coast is is a little less... Yeah, I'm thinking more of my sister who's in D.C., which I... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. This roommate is disinterested in basically everything, and it kind of felt like a straw man for the purpose of making jokes, but whatever. Yeah, it felt more... It felt very much like a millennials only care about getting laid, which... I don't think I've ever heard that one before. And don't get me wrong. They always on their phone. (laughs) (laughs) They always on their phone. Yeah. Something, something hot chips and lie. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, she is, she is very, very interested in her booty call and not so much interested in the fact that her roommate was dismembered in what appears to be an anti-Semitic hate crime. Yes. She elaborates that Heather was not really a nice person in the slightest. Well, neither is she, so... Yeah, but uh, the difference is, this girl, I think her name's Amanda, is not a nice person. Heather was actively mean. That's true, yeah. But we do get we do get the little tidbit that apparently Heather liked to uh, make fun of people. She was a bit of a bully. She's also into old dudes. Also into old dudes. I do not know what prompted this, but I kind of want to say it. Amanda might be in an MLM. She feels like the type, yeah. No, she was so focused on her booty call. I don't know what the fuck prompted that, but whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so there was some, like, nice cream, I guess. Oh, yeah. This is, this is, uh, to demonstrate how frivolous this movie is, the cream is a major plot point. The difference between a cream and a lotion is a major plot point. Yeah. So we also learned about finery here. Finery. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that that comes back up. So yeah, finery, luxurious goods for the modern woman. Specifically clothing, I think, but clothing. Well, yeah. Or as they like, say it. Yeah. Luxurious clothing for the modern woman. Yeah. Whatever. So yeah, it's, none of this matters, <laughs> but the lotion on the other hand, or I'm sorry, the creme does matter. So he takes the creme, uh, or no, this is lotion. Yeah, he has the lotion. He has the lotion. He takes the lotion and takes it to the lab to be analyzed. Yeah, the lab, whatever. I I do love that procedurals are just like, 
yeah, the the boys at the lab said this, and it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, and neither do you, but that's okay. Well, that will do, yeah. Well, that takes us to the morgue. That's the next scene. Yeah, so it goes to the morgue, and what remains of Heather's, the, the pieces of Heather, he says that there is a globe-shaped indentation in her skull, and it was likely she died from blunt force trauma. We also learned that the difference between lotion and cream, and there's Clem. a weird bit. What? Clem. As we learn later. Yeah. This mortician explains it multiple times because Jeff Garland just likes the way he talks and wants him to say Lil Dabble Do Ya multiple times. Here's the difference. Lotion is water-based, so you can use as much as you want. Cream is oil-based. You only need a little bit. Little dabble do you. Little dabble do you. Also, Jeff Garland has a stand-up bit where he talks about some guy at an airport needing cream. It's a weird bit, but it's honestly not bad. Okay. (laughs) I do not seek out the stand-up of film actors. Yeah. But, hey, this movie's educational. I learned the difference between lotion and cream. Yeah. So, yeah. After this... We went back to the precinct. They're like looking at her phone records. Okay. And they find that she calls one number like. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So she calls this one number a lot. So they go, they, they trace the number and they go find the guy. And it's just this Natasha Leone. Fleur is immediately smitten. And if I may back up a little bit. Sure. Back at the precinct, we also get a little more of Chief flirting. And she's like, those cookies weren't left over. I made them special for you. It's like, you need to back the fuck up. <laughs> yes, holy shit. Holy but also, shit. secretary at... Oh, the guy owns like a firework company. Oh, yeah. The secretary is struggling hard. And honey, honey, <sighs> I feel for you. I feel, I feel, yeah. I don't know where you come from. Where that is like a challenging transition, but I do feel for you. Yeah. <laughs> She's a bit of a mess. She can't get the hang of the intercom with the with the phone. But you know, they the guy seems fairly patient with her, although like clearly annoyed. Mm-hmm. And so they go in to talk to him, and Fleur is just smitten. As soon as she finds out he's single. She waits soon, okay, just yeah, that long. Yeah, she, she waits just long enough to find out that he is single and then is just like the most obvious series of come-ons veiled, like Gossamer Thin Veil as a question. Holy shit, man. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Kids, this is called sexual harassment. Don't do it. Yeah. Now, she also took a picture of him before that started. I go, oh, that's for her spank bank. Like, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. We find out that Heather was a kleptomaniac. We also find that out from Amanda, but yeah. confirmation here. And there's something about blackmail? Oh. So the guy who's getting who, who runs the firework company, like, he was married to Nora, and they're getting divorced, and it's contentious. Heather has been hired by this guy to kind of keep tabs on Nora and like find things that can be used in the divorce proceedings to gain a more advantageous position in the monetary negotiations that follow. Yeah. 
We don't find that out quite yet. We just oh, know shit. that no, that's the second time we see him. Oh shit. Here what it is is they notice that he gives her like $500 a week or something and they think like, "Oh, is that for blackmail?" Is oh, she blackmailing yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, if it's not obvious, this movie kind of ran together for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. They're they're like, "Okay, well, is she blackmailing you? What does she have on you?" And Fleur makes it real fucking weird. And then the <laughs> the interview ends and they leave and Fleur is like, hey, uh, I'm going to use the bathroom. Why don't you go ahead and go back to the station? I'll meet you there. And he's like, I can wait. And she's like, ah, it's going to be complicated. It's going to take me a little while. Why don't you just go ahead and I'll see you later. And he's like, no, I think I'll wait. <laughs> like, you're not quite sure if he, like, knows and is trying to cock block her or mm-hmm. not. <laughs> yeah. I think the few things we learn, he... This guy, I don't remember his name. Do you? The firework don't, guy? Don't care. Nope. Lies and says that Heather was a family friend, and that's why he gives her money. Yeah. But we also, Handsome sees a picture of Karis, the little girl, in his wallet, mm-hmm. and makes a remark, and he confirms that it's his daughter, whose name is Karis. And it's like, oh, that's a coincidence? Not really. And then, yes, Floor does her thing. <laughs> so a handsome wants to tell Nora about this to figure out what the hell is going on. And the people who answer the door when he gets there are Karis and her friend. Her friend is gay. a visibly gay little boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a fancy little man. And I'm not I'm not saying that as like a disparaging thing. Like he's clearly gay coded. So they are going they're going to an open house to look at a house in the corner. And, and like the joke is that like kids these days are sophisticated in ways that the people who star in this movie just were not. And like, maybe we have a little lead in our water pipes. I don't know. Handsome talks to Nora. Nora assumes that her ex-husband was screwing Heather. Yeah. Which, I mean, given Heather's whole vibe and general appearance is not an unreasonable assumption. No. We also see another neighbor, like Devin or something. Oh, yeah. Devin is... This man is hot. He's Yeah, he's a himbo a little bit, but not like a nice himbo. Right. He's the kind of himbo who knows he's hot and like uses it. Like he, He's just aware enough that he makes other less attractive men uncomfortable. He teases Handsome because Handsome broke up his house parties. And Handsome says, I don't know if four strippers looking at your dreidel collection is a house party. (laughs) Which, one, Handsome, use your imagination. Two, who the fuck has a dreidel collection? I don't know. People who grew up Jewish, I assume. At the height of my Jewishness in the family. Which is to say when we were young, so my parents still actually did anything. We had... I'd say four dreidels. That's a collection, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is very funny that, like, that's the thing. Like, I always like to see, like, people who, like, even if they're not, like, you know, Shomer Shabbos as adults, they're like, yeah, 
Judaism was an important part of my upbringing. And like, I still have my dreidel collection from when I was a kid because there's only so many things that you can give a child on, you know, eight days in a row on Hanukkah without breaking the bank and socks get old and chocolate melts and chocolate melts. Also, you gamble it all away. (laughs) (laughs) I am not good at the dreidel game. (laughs) Handsome leaves. Here's his neighbor, the like creepy dude with the Latin wife. Mm. Having sex. That was a weird thing. We hear accordion music, and that's what's supposed to mean that. And then we see Mr. Gene Handsome go to a drive-thru. And it's like, oh, this is his version of a bender. Yep. So the joke here is that cops tend to have addiction issues. And also that Jeff Garland is fat. Also, Jeff Garland is a a heavyset guy. And, like, granted, okay, he did. Long-time listeners will know that I have struggled with alcohol in the past. So there's a point where he's going through the drive-thru, which is actually just like a dude with a notepad and a runner, because apparently the headset is broken. And he orders all of this stuff, and it is as sumptuous a feast as you can get at a fast food restaurant. And he he has this like conversation with himself, but like at this kid in the drive-thru about how, ah, you know, I know this stuff is bad for me. I'm going to quit. And this is, you know, this is just the last thing, you know, it's a little inconvenient to cook for one and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, no, you're not, dude. Buddy. No, you're not. I'm sorry. But if you're telling yourself that at this poor kid who is paid to listen to you, no, you're not. No. And then he drives off without getting the food. And it's like, why did we do this? What in the fuck? Honestly, like, okay, good on you. Yeah, sure. Healthy decision. I'm proud of you. Oh, God damn it. We get back to the police precinct. I wrote a lot of casual Judaism in this movie, which is fun, with the dreidel collection. And then someone says, like, everything looks kosher, which non-Jewish people do that all the time. Bugs the hell out of me. All the time. But you know what? It was written by Jeff Garland. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) There was a Japanese rabbi earlier. Like, I I expected casual Judaism. (laughs) I don't know if Natasha Leone is Jewish herself. She's the one who says this. But if she not, she can be honorary Jewish. The way she's kind of an honorary honorary lesbian. I I mean, she's played so many lesbian characters that like I I was a little surprised when I found out she was straight, and and you know it still weirds me out to see her being straight on camera. She's an actress. Granted, in this movie, she's weird about it, like by anybody's yardstick. But it's still <laughs> very weird to see. <laughs> oh yeah. This is where they go back to the firework guy and they're like, hey, what happened? He's like, oh, I paid Heather to spy for me. And Natasha Leone, Fleur, says, I'm going to ask you some questions and my partner will know if you're lying. So don't lie. Asks him two normal questions and then a third one saying, like, did you enjoy the sex yesterday? (laughs) Basically. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. So much weirder. But So so they go in and and so I have to back up just a little bit. So when they go in the office. Fleur greets him with like, hey, you, which like, what? It's a little familiar, don't you think? And and he's like, hey, you. And like, they, they have like this awkward moment and Jeff Garland's just like, don't be coy with me. I know you two were doing the hokey pokey last night. And, and the guy was like, what? No. And, <laughs> and Fleur's just like, correct. <laughs> Love it. Love to see it. Mwah. Anyway, very funny to have your partner verify that you're good at sex. Yeah, I mean, very funny and, uh, you know, also appreciated. Anyway, 
<laughs> moving swiftly along. Yes. Well, is round two now or is it later for Fleur and this dude? Uh, I think it's now, and then we have a round three later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going on. Handsome wants to get a book of the jobs that this firework place has done. Yeah, so he convinces the secretary to lend him the coffee table book in the weirdest possible way, because everything in this movie has to be done in the weirdest possible way. Yes, she's very hesitant because she's like, but then what will we put on the coffee table? He's like, you know what? This could be an opportunity for a new book. And it's like, yes, Jeff Garland, empower this woman. (laughs) This, This poor, clearly unempowered woman in what is widely considered like, well, okay, executive assistant is not necessarily like bottom of the barrel in terms of like corporate positioning. In fact, it's pretty significant. Like executives choose their assistants carefully. Yeah, you're also right next to the executive. Like, mm. can't be too far down. Yeah, it, it's a fairly powerful position, but it is not an empowered position. At best, you have the authority of the executive that you fetch dry cleaning for. Yeah. But Handsome goes back home. Nora comes over for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't really remember why she came over, but it was like more of a social call. Yes. And they listened to some music and... On 45s, I think? On 45s, yes. And it's very clear that Hanson has not had a conversation with a woman he is romantically interested in for quite some time. This is a lonely old man. This woman ends up bearing her soul to Mr. Gene Handsome. And I was like, oh boy, where's this going to go? And he has the same, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Face smeared. Like he's he, like, he tries to hide it every once in a while when he realizes he's doing it. That look, the, the, the minute face work in this is great. <laughs> but like, he does have this like, what? and he realizes he's doing it. He's like, hmm, hmm. Oh, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but he plays it off pretty well. He's like, I had the same dream. Mine is like change a few I things. Don't really but... Massage dogs, but <laughs> yeah, but it's like oh, not too bad. Yeah, well played, well played, and it's clear that he's you know he's gonna he's gonna shoot a shot at some point. He's building up to it. Yeah, but Nora falls asleep, and he's kind of just hanging out. Which I've never been in that situation, so I have no idea what the proper response is. But he's just hanging out on his couch while Nora is asleep next to him. Yeah. Do you want to say the line? How do you feel about shaved pussy? Yes. Nora wakes up, says that line, and goes right back to sleep. And my notes say, that's a bold move, Nora. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> well, it turns out she was basically sleep talking, so she doesn't really have to deal with the repercussions of that. This was a very special kind of psychic damage specifically aimed at me. Handsome is understandably very confused. There's no right answer to this situation. I know. I've been there several times. All right. But his move is to go to sleep, and that is the best move. <laughs> it's the only move that doesn't... that It's it's the one that minimizes your own psychic damage while respecting boundaries. So, like, yeah, yeah like, it's, it's the best possible move. Yeah. Wakes up the next morning, walks out into, like, the kitchen, sees that she has left, turns... To look out his window, and there's Karis staring at him like, Jesus fucking Christ, Karis. I noted here, he's not wearing any pants. Yeah, that was a bad move on his part. Yeah. 
he looks at the firework book and sees that Heather was in the background of a picture of a party. Yes. But is this La La Lime? Yes. Yes. That is okay, exactly La La right. Clearly a reference to Lululemon. Right. Oh, my goodness. You said earlier that, that you thought one of these people was involved in an MLM, which not far off. I was about to say, I don't think Lululemon's an MLM exactly. Technically not completely, but it, it, it is MLM adjacent and uses a lot of the same tactics as MLMs oh, used. I did not know that like people sold that. I thought it was just the storefronts. Yeah. So no, no, the, oh, I'm thinking LuLaRoe. Never mind. Lululemon is just overpriced fucking. Athleisure? Athleisure. Yeah. yeah okay. It, yeah. Okay. So Yeah. They go see the firework dude out in, like, a field while he's setting up so they can learn some more stuff. Handsome demonstrates that he retained what finery meant. Yep. And the firework dude says he has to set up the dragon dicks, and that is the clear indication. Go word. <laughs> What's that? The go word for... Yes. For... Oh. <laughs> clear indication for floor that's like, oh, yeah, this time, too. <laughs> yes. And also, not not an indication to handsome that he needs to. Uh... <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, "Where would you even go?" And she's like, "See, that means you lack imagination." <laughs> <laughs> uh, although, I mean, she's not wrong, but also, mm. it's a field. It's like <laughs> there's a there's a stand of there's a copse of trees, and anyway. Yes. Fucking in a field is a time-honored tradition. You think none of your ancestors ever fucked in a field? I don't know, but there are also other people from this dude's company working, and that might end up with a lawsuit if you're in the field. You have to go into the trees. And they do, to be yes. fair. Yes. So, yeah, so they go and, and bone and, and Handsome just like, uh, okay. But Handsome goes back to Talbert's house, and when he's there... He hears a dog barking from next door. Now, you might remember, Talbert said that he was a dog sitter. Yes. And so he is he is dog sitting this dog. And the dog is left in the garage. And there's no circulation. The dog hasn't been fed. Talbert's a piece of shit dog sitter. So the dog is going nuts. And, and this is something that Handsome cannot abide. So he prepares to kick in this or punch in this window so he can get in and, uh, you know, do a B and E to to help this dog out. He, he does it. He does it. He does it right too. Like there are two yeah. ways that you can do a B and E, and this is one of the ways, or to break through glass, I should say. And this is one of the ways. Kids don't do this. I'm not encouraging anybody to do this or instructing people how. Here's how we say it generically: He protects his hands. Yeah, protects his hands, and he. Punches through this this window and just the window kind of just like folds in on him and he's like oh well, yeah okay <laughs> that's cool anyway flails in yeah just big guy little space it, it classic joke ha 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 we're all having fun the dog's cute I think it's an English bulldog if I'm remembering right I don't recall but either way like he turns on a fan and like gives the dog some food and and water and it's good. So then he goes to talk to... Well, he gets the final piece. Oh. He sees in the garage a saw with something on the handle. Full schmutz. Full schmutz. We found out that 
the dismemberment was a really sloppy job. Yes. We had found out, I should say. Yeah, yeah. So during the autopsy report indicated that the cuts were very amateurish and sloppy. And so he sees this this saw that has a little bit of schmutz on it. So he gets that and we're led to assume takes it back to the lab for analysis. We don't see any of that because the next part just jumps to Talbert's house. Jump cut! We go back to Talbert's house and... This is an interview of a different nature. So he goes and he's like, oh. Talbot's like, oh, officer, you've come to check on my personal safety. I uh, Now that's what I call service. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm in the service industry. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the dog murdering industry. Or people, for that matter. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make their way upstairs. Yeah. And Handsome sees on the nightstand that Mr. Talbert has a little little container. A little container of creme and very high-end creme. This is what what was that? What silk silky, silky lamb. Silky lamb. Ugh. Eh. <sighs> silky lamb creme. And that this stuff is about a thousand dollars a pop for this tiny little container of creme it's maybe two ounces yeah it's not a lot but then again we'll do do you (laughs) hey so he kind of like hints at a couple of things about this la la lime party and talbert's like yeah i was there and you know this came with a lotion too but i gave it to a friend and they started talking about uh, then he moves on pretty abruptly to talking about this statue that he has in his bedroom all right so kyle just went fucking apoplectic it's so funny it's a man holding the world on his back and Mm. talbert says that this is a memento from a movie he did called atlas shrugged again and apparently it's a light romantic comedy Although I will say, in exchange for that, he does say, well, I like to give back to some of my, you know, simpler fans, which if you're the kind of person who read Atlas Shrugged after the age of 16 and thought that it had any literary or philosophical merit, you are, in fact, a simpleton. Yes. So, so I liked that he was like, yeah, this work is silliness. I did it basically for a lark. Basically, the idea that it's like, hey, let's make a sequel to Atlas Shrugged, but it's a rom-com. I'm just like, Honestly, that's the the only way you could go with a sequel to Atlas Shrugged. Okay, I haven't read it, so I have no clue how it ends. I just know the premise. It's so bad. It is so bad. Yeah, like, I'm not going to subject myself to that. No, it's, it's trash. Holy shit. But right now, this whole thing, Handsome is doing what I... I'm describing as a Columbo wrap-up. Oh, yeah. So he's baiting this actor into getting angry and spilling information that he would not otherwise divulge. Or really just testing his temper, which it turns out that this sensitive lad does have a bit of a temper. And gets pretty angry when he calls... And by the way, like, he's right. Like, this... We, we see bits and pieces of his performances, like, scattered throughout the movie, and they're trash. He is shockingly skinny for a man who eats so much scenery. 
<laughs> or choose yeah. so much scenery. Yeah, he is. So he gets he gets a little miffed and calls him a fucking halfwit, which I just I love that. That's a great that's a great insult. And I think it's at this point that that Handsome's like got it put together now, and he runs through it and he says, you know, oh, I think that Heather went to this la la lime party. And once she couldn't get a hold of one of these bags uh, with the extremely expensive creme, she locked eyes on you and tried to talk you out of it. And then, like, y'all had sex. <laughs> he does something really weird. Like, we're led to believe that, that Gene Hansen is a very conventional man when it comes to relations. We're not really given anything to go on, like, what he's into. Like, some of these other psychopaths, we, like have an idea like <laughs> how do you feel about shaved pussy that's not really a you know a, a kink thing but like generally positive i don't know <laughs> <laughs> point is as they say no one likes to floss <laughs> oh god oh. true though word so yeah so the only time that we hear him like say like give any hint of what he's into. He's like, and then it got sexy. I'm just like, uh-oh, what does that mean? What, what could that possibly mean? I'm scared. I want out. <laughs> but, I, you know, I do it for you, the listener. So, <laughs> so I endured. And it turns out that what Mr. Sheen Handsome is into is lotion? Question mark? So apparently they lubed each other up. And, like, this is this is... Talbot and um, Heather, they lubed each other up before sex with this obscenely expensive lotion creme, whatever, whichever. And apparently after sex, he was watching one of his own movies, like the pretentious twat he is, and she started making fun of his shit acting. And he got mad and pushed her, and she cracked the back of her head on his Atlas Shrugged Again statue and died. And he was like, uh-oh, panicked, and decided in his panic that the appropriate thing to do would be to cut off her head and arrange her limbs in a Star of David on his front lawn. Yes. The aristocrats. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One small thing. It seems that, like, he used the cream head to toe when only a little dab was necessary. Well, so that's why she s- slipped so easily. And we find out why the fuck he did a Star of David. You're a self-loving Jew! (laughs) You're a self-loving Jew! Oh my goodness. They have a struggle. Gun gets knocked out of Handsome's hand, but Natasha Lyonne busts in. Last minute, and Talbot goes, Pow! You checked the door! You jiggled it! He's like, yeah, that was a fake jiggle. I should be an actor. A fake jiggle. (laughs) Joe Kenda shows up again. Told you it was the ex-boyfriend. Uh, the old, if I can't have you, no one else can. And he's like, it's like yeah, exactly, no, it wasn't, but, you know what, it kind of was, but, like, yeah. sure, thanks, Joe Kenda. And then the neighbor shows up for the first time. <laughs> the neighbor is actual Kaylee Cuoco. And she's like, you know what, I don't need this, and then goes right back to the airport. Good for her. Who's watching your dog, Kaylee? Someone. Hey, it's her assistance problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, that is almost the movie. That's almost the movie. We have two things left to cover. At this point, we kind of like jump a little bit. 
to Handsome and Nora. Nora's gushing to Handsome about how she can't thank him enough and how he like she like really feels like deep in her heart about, you know, this thing that Handsome has done for her and we're like, "Oh, our baby boy is going to is going to make good." And well, Nora's moving and we kind of think that Handsome might be moving with her to Pound Town. <laughs> mm. Well, she's moving to Pound Town. <laughs> So the hot idiot next door, apparently she's moving with him. I didn't even catch that. Mm-hmm. She's moving it. Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Handsome has apparently helped her move her and <laughs> her boyfriend to a couple acres in Ojai. And this is something that he wasn't necessarily expecting up until the moment it happened. Yeah. She expresses that. She thinks he would be uncomfortable if she was always looking up to him as like this angel who helped her out so much. Like you would hate that the constant gratitude. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then remember, ladies and gentlemen, and every valid ass person in between. Remember, I told you to hang on to the cookies and emotional attachment. Kyle just got it. (laughs) So here's the scene. So, so. I can't remember who brought the cookies up, but movers. like the movers. Yeah. So the movers are like, Hey, what do you want to do with this? She's like, Oh, throw them away. They're disgusting. The cookies are symbolic of like, here is my, an expression of my, the way I feel about you. I'll throw those away. Those are disgusting. And then they, they drive off and, and, and we're just, we're stuck with a scene between handsome and the gay kid. And he's like, that is not how I saw that happening. And the little gay kid is like, yeah, it is what it is. And just like fucks off. Yep. And we're left watching the hula hooping lady. Yeah. Roll credits. Roll credits. Also, Karis did a weird dance in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a weird dance. I didn't think about mentioning it because honestly, I don't think it matters. It's so bizarre because she does not do it to music. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did any yeah. of this matter? No, but of all the things that didn't matter, that mattered the least. Fair enough. Okay. What even is there to talk about? Well, we talked about the cookies. Yeah. The hula hooper. Now, it would be perhaps easy to say that that's like, you know, an opening and a closing thing. Like it was there in the opening, the the James Bondish kind of opening sequence, and it's there at the close. However, she's also there every single time directly after he suffers an emotional humiliation. This is an observation that I made in real time, like as we were like talking about this movie. So I don't know if that has any deeper meaning, just an observation that I have made. Like every time he gets embarrassed by one of his neighbors, the hula hoop lady is there. Yeah. That's got to be something. That's, that's too many times to be coincidence. Yeah. It's, and it's also just like out there enough that's like, what the, f- what? It's got to, it's got to be something. I have no idea what it could be, but. Yeah. Sure is a damn thing that happened. Yep. So, Kyle? <laughs> I initially was like, this literally has nothing to talk about. It's just entertainment. But it, it kind of feels like it could be something about storytelling, the way it, like, frames that op- that intro of being like, oh, you're about to watch this story. And then, like, here's a title card that's different than, like, the actual title card. There's also a thing where, like, it, it bucks a lot of trends in storytelling, like, Everybody tells you their thing up front. 
Like it's almost as by way of introduction, here's how I fit into the plot. There's a video I watched at one point that covered the concept behind the phrase, you couldn't make blazing saddles today. Uh, I'm of the opinion that is a completely meaningless phrase. I saw one tweet that was very funny. It's like, yeah, because if you tried, people would look and be like, this is blazing saddles. It already exists. <laughs> but sure. Taking the joke in a different way. Yeah, yeah. But one takeaway of that video that I watched was that at the time it was made, it was like the sort of tail end of Westerns being everywhere. Mm -hmm. So this maybe, maybe was an attempt to do something similar, but for the cop procedural. It's not a good execution if that's the intent. I'm not super solid on Westerns and conventions and Westerns. That's something that I'd have to do some digging on because I don't particularly care for Westerns. Right. But I'd, I'd be willing to buy that. So like cop procedurals and superhero movies are like our two big properties in 2017. That's true. That is true. So it very well could be trying to do that. And if so, it didn't do a great job. But I think it didn't do a great job on purpose, which, you know, is a... Are you familiar with, I think we've talked before on the podcast about the Dada movement. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was early, but you know, just for the recap for people who are just, you know, have joined the pod since then, the pod family since then. Or need a little refresher. Yeah. So Dada is an artistic movement that came about after World War One in Zurich. It also kind of like popped up independently in other places. But essentially, the idea was that any culture that could create World War I is not worth saving. And it was kind of art meant to destroy the concept of art. A Dadaist piece on purpose makes no sense, has no semblance of, of like plot or coherence, and is just generally just the weirdest possible iteration of anything. And And this feels like. I mean, it's too normal to be Dada. Like this is, I'm not saying that this is Dada. I'm saying that this is using that same like idea, like the recognition that like propaganda and Westerns are bad and have had bad effects on our society and culture and therefore must be destroyed by sending them up in this very obvious, stupid way. So it's closer to satire than Dada, but I feel like there is like the the spirit of of Dada kind of dwells within that idea i can see that shit i don't feel like talking about this movie trying to dissect it anymore because quite frankly it's light entertainment yeah it's fine we're, we're we're trying to do serious analysis of a movie that no one was taking very seriously not even the people who made it okay we did it on Minehorn. <laughs> yeah fuck it what are your thoughts on this like that aren't well i mean like it was it's something that i would not be embarrassed like if I had friends over and, you know, it were the night before we recorded this episode and mm -hmm. I were like, hey, I still have to watch this movie. Do you guys want to watch it with me? I would not be like embarrassed by my movie choice. Yeah. I would not seek this movie out. And honestly, knowing that it exists, I probably won't ever watch it again. Yeah, you did it maybe twice to. Yeah, twice. That second one was a motherfucker, though, I gotta say. I don't mind it. It's fine i don't know it it struck me as just like it was fun and cute the first time 
But fun and cute typically for me is something that doesn't age well. So like the second time I have to watch it, I'm just like, yes, I know. Yes, I know. Can we please move on? (laughs) I'm doing this at two times speed. Fuck it. Yep. I felt like this movie violated the rule of threes a couple of times. Yeah. Notably with Burt Jerpus. Only got two Burt Jerpus bits. Yep. Kind of with the Hula Hooper. But if you count the introduction, the opening credits, that's three. Yep. The Latin wife playing the accordion. Yep. That only happened twice. Yeah. So that part was not well executed. But, you know, it was functional. It was fine. Yeah. Love to see Natasha Leone living her best life. I don't know if this is her best life, but oh. she was having a good life. Oh, okay. The How did we skate past this? Okay. Sorry, we're going to have to, like backtrack a little bit so natasha leone in the cl- in the climax when when they're fighting over the pistol in the bedroom and natasha leone bursts in and i have to mention this i'm perfectly willing to let it go except we referenced it in the opening bit and otherwise this would be inscrutable oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they get the guy and as they're leaving as they're leaving handsome goes like hey how did you know to come in and she's like, oh, my vagina is slightly achy today. <laughs> it's like, he, And he responds like, I love you for so many reasons. <laughs> and she's like, I thought I thought it was just because I've been having a lot of sex lately, but turns yeah, out it's because I knew warning. you were in danger. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Goofy. So that's why I said that my vagina was sore. The time for ratings? Yeah, fuck it. Sure. None of this matters. <laughs> <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10 on enjoyability? Yeah, it's probably about a 6. Yeah, I'll give it a 6. Okay. That's fine. So obscurity. With 1 being a Best Picture nominee, 10 being a literal student film. Okay. I'm going to go with an 8. I'm going to go with a 6 again because, I mean, it's Netflix. Like, they don't don't go out of their way to advertise this stuff. But, like, it had the production quality. It had known... Yeah. entities like it was like there was no marketing campaign for this but there didn't have to be it's netflix eventually you're gonna find this shit i'm willing to go down to a six and a half okay all right but yeah i'll meet you there six and a half sounds good yeah of all netflix movies this is definitely one that got more buried yeah yeah you you have to go pretty deep in the comedy section to find this unless your feed is like unless the algorithm has fed you a very specific kind of content As we wrap up our episode, we end, of course, with our pop culture pop-outs, a piece of pop culture we've been in as of late and just want to talk about for a little bit. Sophia, you got something cool for us? I do. So, I have been asked to write a review of a a lovely book called Wrath Goddess Sing. This is a book that is not out yet. It will become publicly available in June, and it's available for pre-order. It is essentially the Iliad, the story of the, you know, the Trojan War, but Achilles is a trans woman in this book. And it explores a lot of like the grief and trauma of being trans and, you know, how trans people have been treated historically, how trans people fit into 
military life and, and the interactions between like all of the main characters in lieu of the fact that, you know, the last time they saw Achilles, she was a skinny twink. And then, you know, now she is this amazing daughter of a goddess and is really good. I recommend it. It's emotionally compelling. It will be available in June. The pre-order link will be in the downstairs part. Yes. Kyle, what do you got? Well, I was going to ask a question first. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Is Patroclus also a woman? No. Patroclus is portrayed, I think, a little inconsistently. Like, I don't have very many, like, things that make me go, um, about this book. But Patroclus is, is portrayed as a very large man. Okay. Yeah. What I got this week is the Hulu original show, Only Murders in the Building. Oh, hell yeah. Tell me about it. This is set in New York City at a apartment building called the Arconia. Someone is murdered one of these days, and these three residents, let me back up slightly, a fire alarm gets pulled that gets everyone out of the building. When they come back, they find that this has happened. While they're out of the building, these three get to know each other at this bar over their mutual love of a true crime podcast. Yeah. Yeah. They, upon getting back to their apartment, learn of the murder and decide that they are going to investigate it and do their own true crime podcast. Nice. (laughs) Yes. This stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Mm. Wasn't thrilled with how it ended. I mean, it left a thing open for season two, but like the resolution of this murder, I was like, really? That's okay. Fine. But it's light. It's comedic. And it's that whole thing of everyone's got a podcast. Look, it's a real easy way to, you know, create media. Yell at the void. Yeah. Sophia, where can people find you online? Well, I have a link tree. Big hits. I'm terminally on Twitter at Hamilcarrenina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. I am on Instagram at Sophia H underscore MDT. I am on Cora at Sophia Elena Mestatricht. I'm also on Medium at the same, and I have my queer media analysis project, Queering House, there. And fun fact, I just published an article about Warframe. Content warning, we have to talk about my less than pleasant childhood. (laughs) So there's a lot of rough stuff there. I believe if you follow the link that you tweeted out, it has a list of content warnings, and I'm guessing at the beginning of the article as well. Yes, there is there is a list of content warnings at the beginning of the article. But it, it's it's only like the first part. So if you're like sensitive to any of the things that, that we have to discuss there, you can just skip to part two and you won't miss all that much. It's not my best work, I will say, but I'm, I'm proud of what I put out there. I think it was, you know, I think it was good. Don't find me on Facebook. And I think that's about it. Kyle, where can people find you? I am on Twitter, at Kyle the Giggles. I am on Tumblr and Letterboxd under Hebrew Hammer. If you would like, there's a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message so that you can be in an upcoming episode, whether leaving your own pop culture pop-out and sharing your recent obsession with us, or talk about the movie that we're discussing, or a previous one. But in order to talk about our next movie, Sophia, what are we watching? Well, because I haven't incriminated myself enough, 
Next time we'll be watching The Perfect Score. <laughs> I have not seen this. I don't think Sophia has either, which is... It feels familiar. I feel like I've... Maybe maybe I heard something about it. I don't I've know. seen a trailer before, but that's about it. That's very uncommon. Usually at least one of us has seen something. This is going to be an interesting... Next week is going to be an interesting podcast. Yeah. But if you like the podcast, you should subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Tell your friends. Etch it into your forehead. That way you're a walking billboard for our podcast. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. I was about to say get a tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. No, please don't do that. And if you do, make it my face. Because at least that would be funny. Buy a candygram and have that be the letter. Hmm. Okay. That's Andy a Graham one. for Mongo. Because <laughs> I reference Blazing Saddles. <laughs> but thank you very much for listening. We will catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.